Heavenly Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. Just as always, Lord God, lifting you up. Asking forgiveness for our sins. Asking to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let your will and obedience to you be our purpose in life, Lord God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give glory unto your name. We worship you and adore you for just being good, Lord God. And in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will be here with us as we teach this word. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Jesus Christ, you are the word. We ask that you will reveal yourself. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you and bless us. And as I decrease, increase in us to teach your people your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're in John chapter 10, and we left off at uh, verse 19, but I want to back up one verse to chapter 10, verse 18. It says, no man, Jesus said, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down. And he's talking about his life. He's talking about his life. He's saying, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This commandment I have received of my father. And so Jesus is basically saying that God gave me the commandment that I have the right to lay my life down and I have the right to take it up again. So God, the father, is the author, the the architect of our salvation. He planned way back in the garden that his son, Jesus Christ, would come and die on Calvary's cross for you and I. I need people to know this because it's no haphazard event that he came. It's no accident that he came. This is an actual event that was prepared for a certain period of time to do exactly what it needed to do so that the world itself would not have control over God's people. See? And it was strategic. God knew, and it was strategic. And this is the beautiful thing about him. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. God makes sure that there's no mistakes in his plan. Because where we must start, because we are governed by time at the beginning, God is not governed by time. He is the author of time. He created time. So he could start at the end, which is what he did. He started at the end. He backed up all the way to the beginning to make sure everything was in place. See, that's how strategic he is. See, and we have to understand it. So the next verse says, uh, there was a division, therefore, among, again, among the Jews for these sayings, these things that Jesus was saying. And many of them said, uh, he had the devil and is mad. Why hear him? Others said, these are not the words of him that had the devil. Can the devil open the eyes of the blind? And remember, we're coming out of the place where, from last week where he had just opened the eyes of the blind and the blind man did not see him. So he could not point him out to the religious sect oh, at that okay. time. Yeah. And he said to him, I don't know who may be blind. And they say, well, he must be a devil. Well, all I know is this. You call him what you want to, but I was blind. And now I see. 
In other words, I was in darkness and now the lights are on. See, if that is not a ministry tool right there, <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? So uh, he, that's where we're coming out of. In 722, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, I got to deal with this from 19. Because we came out of that wonderful thing where he opened the eyes of the blind man. The religious sect of that time did not believe him. And then he started to speak about how my sheep hear my voice and they obey the voice of another they would not hear. And he started bringing out things. And they they said, uh, uh, you know, how can we understand this? Because there was division amongst them. And one said he was a devil. The other one said there's no way he can have a devil because he has done these wonderful things. That's where we are. But the truth of the matter is people don't understand that Christ did not come to bring peace. Christ came to bring division. See, division is separation from what was normal to man living in the world and by the world's means into a place where they would live by holy means, by godly means. And it was available to all men that we would live for heaven and not live for the world. He made a separation. And that separation started in Genesis when God said, let there be light. And God divided the light from the darkness. Way back then, the plan was set. See? And God made the division. Jesus came as the light in this world to create the division so that you would know that dark is dark and light is light. See, he he, he came clearly. People say, I don't, you know, that don't sound like the Christ. I know Well, if I, you don't have to turn, but I will turn to it. Uh, if you turn to Luke 12, uh, chapter 51, I'm going to read that, but if you don't want to, I'm going to read it anyway. Jesus said, well, let's start at 49. I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it already, uh, if it be already kindled? But I have the baptism to be baptized with. And now I am straightened till it be accomplished. Suppose ye that I come to get peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. These are Jesus' own words. I didn't come here for the things you think I came here for. I came here to bring the opposite so I could put direct schism, direct division between you and the world, between you and the world's people. And a lot of people say, oh, we just need unity in the church. We just need unity in the church. Well, the truth of the matter is there's a whole lot of devils in the church. See, there's a whole lot of liars in the church. And there's a whole lot of people that practice the, the, the life of the hypocrite just because they want to belong to the world. 
See, you can't serve two masters because you're going to love the one or hate the other. Or you're going to hate that one and love the other. You can't serve two. Yeah. And so they come into, especially in this Western church nowadays, yeah. we come into the church trying to serve two. And we can't serve two. It never happens. And that's why you see people downtrodden and dismayed in their face. And then they start to come to church and tell you, well, Pastor, you know, you're speaking a little too harsh. You know, you, what you're doing is dividing the flock. You're not unifying the flock. Yeah, but you well, got to divide. Well, I didn't come to unify. Jesus didn't come to unify. I came to give you the words of Christ. And if by these words, people were calling him a devil, and others were saying, he can't be the devil. Look at what he's doing. But some people held him to be the devil. You see? And all this was by his words. So if you teach Christ, guess what's going to happen? It's going to bring division for those who want the world more than they want God. I've had, I had brothers call me, be on the phone and tell me, you know, I just don't agree with you, Pastor. And I don't argue with them. I know you don't agree with me. But what I really wanted to say, I know you don't agree with me because you don't agree with God. But because they're babies, I didn't go that far. But as they're maturing, just just wait. That day is coming. It has to come. Because they can't keep jumping into the fire and into the water, into the fire, into the water, into the fire, into the water. That's lunatic. See, you can't keep jumping into it. Now, everybody has struggles. Don't get me wrong. And some struggles bring greater lapse of time, depending on how long you've been in it. You know, you can't just be, you know, on drugs for 20 years and expect it to be over in one day. That's why when these people get miraculously get healed by the Holy Spirit and get changed by the Holy Spirit, I already know it's a lie. Because just because your heart has confessed Christ and just because your soul is safe, your flesh didn't get the memo. Your flesh has got to be trained to not sin against God. Your, your thoughts have got to be targeted to not go against him. See, you're saved and God loves you and all those things are available to you. But your flesh didn't get the memo because God didn't come to save the flesh. He came to save the inner man. And so if you find yourself struggling, don't be upset at God. Don't be upset at you. Be upset at your flesh. How do you conquer a thing that you will not deal with? You cannot walk around this life loving God, going to church, doing the things you want to do, and ignoring your flesh. You can't do it. You have a real enemy in you that is in your flesh. Your enemy is not on the outside of you. You don't even begin to begin to see those enemies until you first conquer the enemy that is in the me, <laughs> your flesh. And I say this all the time. You've got to deal with your flesh. See, who are you really?
Who are you really? Just listen, I'm doing it now. Who are you really? I mean, the real you. Hey, do you know who you are? Let me tell you who you are. To all the angelic beings and all the demonic beings is watching you. Whoever you are, you're by yourself. That's the real you. And if you live your life based upon that, then you've already failed yourself because there is an inner you that is created after the image of God that cannot, cannot, cannot be corrupted by the world. It is the very life-giving force, the zoe that makes you alive. The ideal that you open your eyes this morning tells me there's an inner you. But if you don't know that man is triune, you don't know that when God said in Thessalonians, I sanctify you holy, then he names the part. I sanctify your whole body, soul, and spirit. Three in one. Which one of you leads you to hell? That flesh, that body. Which one of you is loving on God? That spirit. The inner man. Which one of you actually stands for judgment? Your soul. And all you got to do is help your soul choose God. But you got to flush the flesh. You have to flush the flesh. You don't have a choice. See? We are too busy fighting everything outside of us trying to make ourselves look the part so that we can fit into the what? The world. What if you had to live this life totally separated from the world? Do you know how much easier it would be to serve God? See? There's nothing wrong with you having things. But you can't let the things have you. That's the problem. Because when you wake up because of those things, when you work for those things, when you go to sleep for those things, when you live for them things, when you breathe for them things, they have become your God. That's idol worship. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It is very simple. God laid it out simply. Love God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I was talking to my brother the other day, and I was saying, you know, what people don't seem to understand is because they don't study the Word of God. Rated and investigated, committee destroyed the whole city.
one by one, make it kill off each other with the knife. Or a gun, you having fun. But in the end, you'll be judged by the Lord. Cause he gave the Ten Commandments for you to follow what you're ignoring. You live in the sin, abomination against the ways of good. Now reading scripture, praying to God, even though you love, you should. I try to keep myself together and the Lord I seek it. Trying to treat my people right, listen to everything he's speaking. No, I'm not a teacher, a preacher trying to preach. I'm just speaking of some truth into your souls. I'm on the reek. So learn about the man upstairs. The key ain't a stranger. And get right with him. Cause if you don't, then you're in danger. Yeah. 